And we are live. So this is why I really like to have the live soon bit go up because it makes me sure that we're live before uh, it actually is live. But so we're live. <laughs> I can see it now. The delay. I, it's it's good. We are live. Hello, welcome to another Hello. exciting episode of Loose Cannon. It is uh, just me and Rhino again today, and uh, we're gonna try to talk about this Clovis Bray journal that we got uh, at the Beyond Light uh, Collector's Edition. We're, what is it now, three weeks into Beyond Light? Like, we're kind of really Man, getting into it. it. Yeah, it's really it's really kind of sailing by, isn't it? Mm. I think the only, the only books that are not completed are the Micah journal, uh, Letters from Micah, or... Mike Abrams, your friend, I think it's called something like that. The Penguin one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the only one that you can't actually complete in game right now. And every other book, excluding the hidden book that we found, um, is fully obtainable, assuming you have the ability to do the raid for uh, the one ship stealer. Because there are a couple that are actually behind raid triumphs, which is a little... I don't know if I'm excited about that where it's like not only do you have to do the raid but you have to do this mini challenge in it and it's like if you mess up this challenge oh well <laughs> just reset yeah, and try I don't again know. i don't understand that i was wondering yeah. that <clears throat> like maybe maybe they're super easy challenges maybe it's like yeah just don't do that like just do it a certain way and it's it's super straightforward you got it you're set uh I hope that's what it is, because I would like to complete the book before the end of the season. Yeah. It is pretty, it is pretty cool that we, we got so much lore dumped on us. Mm-hmm. But at that's the same time, it's a little bit overwhelming, but it's just, it's really cool. It's one of the bigger, I, I would almost say it's probably the biggest mm-hmm. so far. I mean, Forsaken was a huge dump, but... <clears throat> that yeah, content kind of trickled a little bit. Forsaken had eleven books, and I think we have eight books this season. But it's mm-hmm. yeah, so I mean, it's it's like comparable. And and really, what what I really wish they would do is stop putting things on armor lore tabs, or or, or keep doing it. <laughs> but when you get that armor, it unlocks it. Although then I'd have to play other characters, and I don't want to do that either. Uh. <laughs> there has to be a better way because like the raid armor has awesome lore the seasonal armor has awesome lore and it's unique to the character class so that's mm-hmm. 15 entries per so that's like that's two books right there 15 entries of you know pocket stories that could just be the wild hunt book you know and and the Deepstone crypt yeah. book I think, well, they kind of did that. What They used to kind of do that. Or they've done that a couple times where, like, the Warlock, Hunter, and the uh, Titan all shared the same lore Mm -hmm. within the armor pieces. They were different armor pieces, but they all, all the sets had the same lore. Yeah, sometimes they do that. And sometimes they decide to have 
it be different lore. And I love it when they do, because that just gives me more to read. But it's right. also like, okay, what's a Titan? What what do Titans call their arms? And I have to be like, is this the Titan arms? Yeah. Like through Ishtar, like, is this the Warlock <laughs> arms? Is this the Hunter arms? Because it, it goes helmet, arms, chest, legs, class item. And it's Titan, one story, Hunter, another story, Warlock, a third story. And it's like, I don't yeah. want to read three stories at once. I want to read one story at a time. And if it right, was just a book, right. it would be so much easier. Well, what's even funnier is sometimes when the lore that's on the Titan armor, it, it, it's talking about a Hunter. Yeah, that, that's what really threw me off, too. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's got to be the Hunter armor. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, that's not, that's not Hunter armor. That's yeah. huge. <laughs> Mm. so cool that you just reminded me remember the prodigal set and we knew it was about the crow mm. but it because it looked just like aldrin's armor from d1 mm-hmm. and then when you read the whole prodigal set and you get down to the end of it um it's pretty much like oh crap this is the crow coming back mm. you know coming back and so now that he's resurrected as the crow it means even more this time around mm-hmm. than the first time around so I'm really, I'm, I really like him, his existence. He hasn't really done much aside from just be like a little, yeah. like jokey about his past. Where it's like, um, have you read his bounties? I'm sure you have. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, uh, his hand cannon bounty. He's just like, I don't, I don't like hand cannons. I don't know why. Yeah. Like, I, I know why. Uh, stuff like yeah. that. All right. So uh, you have a lore card prepared for us this week don't you i do yeah why don't yeah, we uh, this week in with that and then we can get going on this collector's edition journal sure so the it was not this week because this week was thanksgiving kind of took a day off but the week prior so i did a lore card on a scout rifle and it's called royal chase which this one was kind of cool because it, the lore entry um it it's it's a little odd because it has to do with with uh, with um, oh my goodness I'm flaking right now <clears throat> with homeboy in the EDZ Devrim K um, Devrim K thank you I was I don't know why I wanted to call him Delverin for some reason Delverin <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to the EDZ ever since the Cosmodrome came back I'm like I don't need that place I know he's kind of been um, he's kind of been just sitting there, right? Nobody's really kind of paying attention. We did have to go see him during the the quest. If you did the um, the um, the new light quest, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. And, and just real quick on the new light quest, if you haven't done it, go do it because there's something different for every class and every race. It, there's oh. different dialogue for each one, so that's going to be fun to figure out. <laughs> but um, uh, so anyway, this one kind of talks about. Uh, Devrim a little bit um mm. but but it it it's more to do with his situation and i guess what the the scout rifle is, is talking about is like the area that he's in because the scout rifle that that um you get it's called the uh, royal chase mm-hmm. but it mentions Devrim k it says anyone if anyone el- asks why you're out here just reload <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like what are you doing out here? Anyway, uh, so a royal chase, and you, you United Kingdom guys will know this. Um, 
it, in the UK, it's, it's common land used for hunting without specific or designated officers and laws. So the crimes inside of a royal chase are only punishable by the common law and not by the forced jurisdiction. So this is often left up to the locals so that they help each other watch over the land. So it's kind of like, um, you know, the local people of that area help, you know, marshal the land and make sure that no riffraff or anything's getting tore up, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But in the United Kingdom, a chase is a type of common land. It's used for hunting where there's no specifically designed officers, but it's got reserved hunting rights for one or more persons. So like if you wanted to go do a deer lease here in Texas, you could go to somebody's land and pay some money to go shoot some deer on the land. Well, it's kind of like that, except for it's protected land over there. So a few famous chases in England include the wire forest that straddles mm-hmm. the border of Worcestershire and Shropshire. I love their sauce. <laughs> the Mal- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Malvern Chase in Worcestershire and Pinsnet Chase near Dudley. Um, in the Middle Ages, a royal forest, a.k.a. deer chase, or deer park, was an enclosed area containing deer used for hunting. It was bounded by a ditch and a bank with a wooden park pail on top of it, or, or by a stone or brick wall. Some parks had deer leaps. And this was cool because they would allow the deer to jump into the park, but then they couldn't jump out. So they put a ramp on one side of the park so the deer would go up the ramp, and once they were in the park, they couldn't get back out. Huh. So that prevented them for leave, from leaving. Yeah. So, hmm. Anyway, the, the Victoria County history describes the chase as a forest, an unenclosed with only houses, farmstead area that contains hills, highways, watercourses, etc., um, but this is where it gets crazy. So crimes inside of a royal chase are only punishable by that common law and not by forest jurisdiction. Hmm. So this is often left up to the locals to help watch over the land and not by higher authority. So if you think about it and relate it to Devrim, you know, he's kind of like watching over that area in that mm-hmm. watchtower, that, that church. Uh, and he's kind of, you know, marshalling that area. So that, I thought that was kind of neat that they've tied this into that. Do you think if if Devrim witnessed like a guardian kill another guardian that he'd be like Mm-mm, and take uh-uh. it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, He's you like, know, this is my jurisdiction. You know, what's funny is he has a really cool looking No Land Beyond. Is that a No Land Beyond though? I mean, I know everyone says it is, but it doesn't look like one. It would have to be like, but, like an ornament. Okay, okay, but here's what's cool about this particular lore is on his No Land Beyond type of sniper. Mm-hmm. There are deer carved into the side of it. Really? Yes. I didn't know there's, that. There's an ornamental carving on the side of that wooden... Uh, uh, is it on the stock? or is it, Yeah, I think it's on the stock. And it is of deer. So it's very much like um, a hunter, you know, stylized sniper. Anyway, it's really kind of cool. I would love to have his sniper. Maybe just don't bring No Land Beyond back and bring that sniper back. Mm. Anyway, chases and royal chases are considered lower status compared to forest and royal forest. So the word forest, as of late medieval period, means any large woodland. Uh, Most national parks or forests of this nature have officers and laws that apply to them, making them true forests in every sense of the word. 
So a royal chase is like a, a lesser common area that's marshaled mm-hmm. by the people, whereas national forests have, you know, regulations and full-on, full-fledged, legitimate officers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So <laughs> I just thought it was kind of neat how if Devon's considered to be a marshal of the people over that one area, um, and then he has deer on the side of his sniper. Like, who thinks this stuff? Yeah, no, that, that is, if that is a, like, a no land beyond with an ornament, I actually have it up on the on the screen. I, I pulled up an image of him. Oh, cool. Uh, that is definitely a nice ornament. Do you think we're ever going to see it come back? Man, I really hope so. It exists in, like, the perfect, ever since Forsaken, it's been like, why isn't it back? It won't be a kinetic, or it won't be a primary ammo sniper. It'll just be a kinetic sniper with super low zoom scope. That's true. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's, what's worse? I mean, uh, what is the uh, Arbalest? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the same kind of power. Yeah. No, it really is. But it's got why, why would that even be an issue? Yeah. yeah. It, it feels like, in my opinion, the reason they don't bring it back is because it's just like, what exotics are they going to bring back? You know, they have to choose. They have to pick yeah. the ones that people are going to be excited about, and that's why they brought back Hawkmoon. Um, Last yeah. Word, Thorn. What else have they brought back? They haven't brought back too many uh, recently, have Do they? You, you know, it's Hawkmoon. funny, though. In, in, the, um, <clears throat> in, in the New Light campaign, I keep going back to that, but there are a few items that were brought back from D1. So there's some cloaks. And some Titan marks and some Warlock bonds uh, that were D one um, class items that you get from just you know running around uh, at progressing. And mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, they're not like you know strikingly rich in lore or anything, but they kind of just you know go back to a little bit of the D one experience, which is kind of cool. I'm sorry. I can hear your cat. It just makes me laugh every time. Oh, I'm man. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's perfectly Anyone. fine. It's perfectly fine. Uh, it just, I just laugh every time I hear it. Um, all right, then. So, are we uh, good to jump into this uh, collector's Yeah. Edition? Yeah, get it started. Okay. So, last week, we, we just kind of started on it. And, uh, basically, Clovis has this running journal... And just to kind of recap, he had his team on the moon. They found the artifact. He went to the artifact. It told him to go to Europa. He goes to Europa, and he's there because he's positive it holds the secret of immortality, the secret of creating a functioning exo. And so this journal kind of chronicles his uh, dive into trying to understand why exos fail. And right at the start in the margins and it's him who's writing in these margins. Um, he clearly is going over his notes and he has this realization of what if perfect self-repair is the reason X is the grade, which he would have gone back to, uh, much later in this, in this, um, after he found what he was looking for, uh, he has an entry called, uh, note why exo mines fail and so he's kind of going through why they fail trying to work it out and um so if you have it with you or if you happen to have a link of the transcription 
we are starting around uh where do we leave off entry three yeah the the just after the dog hives yeah just after the well i think we got through europa life yeah because europa life i mean there's a lot of this book and i don't mean to like chastise Bungie. the book is amazing you get it you read it i absolutely highly suggest everyone listening or watching to find a copy of this we can actually post a copy um in the the show notes uh and read it if you don't actually have it yourself it's very good but for the sake of an interesting show it's kind of like a lot of sci-fi background and that's less exciting than getting into the interesting little bits that people might have looked over right it can be pretty wordy yeah and we don't want this to be a lecture we want it to be a little exciting (laughs) at least (laughs) just a bit and so starting with entry three of clovis's journal he uh says i died what a nuisance and uh so he has a corporeal status his body temperature is at 13.7 degrees celsius pulses three beats per minute weak irregular <laughs> bp not t- detected pulse ox 600 emergency anti like all these like doctor words that i don't know <laughs> techno garble yeah and then it goes back to his actual journal and he says drop dead of dyson autonomia while rummaging for leftover pork chop i am now in recovery in a medical (laughs) smile pod i have no breath and no pulse it is the return of oxygen to dead tissue that does most of the damage i should be asleep but i have to get this down quickly yeah what the hell is going on yeah no, it's very much describing like a, a almost a humorous, grotesque, horrific situation. It's almost like um, it, it would be it would be the equivalent of performing surgery on yourself. Yeah, and then making accidents. It's almost like playing the game Operation, but <laughs> but on yourself. This is like the type of thing where it's like. He has this ability because the Traveler came, and we kind of have a much more toned-down issue, uh, much more toned-down version of this. You know, you have yeah. you have a loved one in the hospital. Uh, they can't exactly function themselves, so they have a living will. And it's like, in the event of this type of scenario where they are pretty much dead, their mm-hmm. family would make the call on what would what would be done. But because of the light, it's allowed to be perverted into this like weird, like, m- my body is dead right now. I'm right. still writing in my journal, and I'm trying to eat some pork chop. Yeah. <laughs> so technically, I'm going to still do what I need to do. Like, but I'm what dead. the hell? <laughs> this this is like, like, I don't even know. Well, what's cool about it is as we go on, there are like blackout periods where mm-hmm. he's just like, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess when you when you push the button to hey do this function, which tears your body apart and rebuilds you or whatever it's doing, mm-hmm. and then you wake up and you go, oh my god, what happened? And so it's also kind of weird because earlier in this uh, journal, I believe he talked about savaging, or that might actually be coming up. But yeah, basically, he's yeah, note savaging. He's 
he's filling his dead organs with genetically grown pig organs specifically for his semi-living body he's a freaking he's frankenstein and the monster like well okay so real quick back to the techno garble this is like a real life thing which is cool because they're introducing some real world science into uh the the sci-fi realm of destiny so okay right now we use yeah we use pigs uh and other animals to grow um organs no we and so this is how, yeah so this is how we do it so like for instance you need a new ear <laughs> you grow it on the back of a certain animal you need a new heart you grow it on a particular animal stuff like that so there are certain animals that have been reserved for um organ growth uh for, for this type of thing in in the medical science world, you know, DNA manipulation, all that stuff that comes to mind when you think about tampering with living tissue and organisms. But yes, so, I mean, it's it's happening right now. And it is 9.30 in the morning, and you're telling me this? <laughs> no, this is... This is... This is science fiction. This is not actually what's happening okay, so in the world are, right now. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, I am totally serious. Dead oh serious. my god. So um it's not as far advanced as mm-hmm. they make it sound in the game. Obviously they've perfected yeah. it, you know, we're hundreds of years ahead in the future in the world of destiny. Mm-hmm. But uh you know, when you're when you're talking about growing organisms or I mean organ uh that's very much a practice that we are that we are working with right now oh, maybe yeah. more of the more of the less uh you know on the on the lower of the morality side of things you know we're not really tampering into like growing babies yet or anything and harvesting their organ organs but um, a yeah, very house of scorpion <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, that's a throwback yeah i don't know I, that was such a that movie right there was one of those. Uh, they made a movie, isn't it? Isn't I it had to read that book for like f- sixth grade English? Yeah, I thought like that some... I thought they made it one of those kids' movies that was like a five part series or something. Oh, I mean, it was a single book. Well, uh, apparently, it had a sequel. Uh, I didn't know about that until like last year. And I was mm, like, oh, I maybe I'll check it out because I, I remember I liked it as a kid. Well. Yeah. It was like it was basically Clovis Bray, but instead of being in this future where he actually has this option, he just cloned himself as a younger child. And as he grew old, if he's like, "Well, if I ever need a new lung, I'm just gonna cut open that kid." Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's creepy, isn't it? It was very creepy. Man, you're bringing it back to me. I remember that story pretty well. I don't remember. Man, it's been so long. Been so long. it's, It's been like decades. Yeah. And I'm older, so it was like I was older <laughs> and read it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because we're talking about like using animals, but uh, get this: you can grow, you can grow mouse kidneys inside of a rat. Okay, like I know this is a bit from like scary movie or something, but is there actually a difference between a mouse and a rat? I mean, there is. Okay. There's a lot different. Yeah. Okay. So just just to think, just to think, you can grow um, 
organs from a pig to a human because how much is similar? Yeah, genetically similar. That's why they yeah. use them as test subjects. Mm-hmm. You know, I really thought when they started talking about um, the pig, I really thought they were going to bring something <laughs> to have to do with pulled pork. <laughs> I don't know why my mind went there. Originally, when I first started reading this, I was like, oh, God, I was just waiting for the hammer to drop the entire time. There, oh there was actually a part of me where I was like, oh, shit, is this going to become Animal House? Like <laughs> <laughs> when it yeah like it becomes sentient or yeah something. like how 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 human are these pigs gonna be <laughs> we got are we human gonna organs is it gonna be a new enemy race of yeah that would be i would be freaking down for that if it was just like pigs bipedal pigs just in the deep stone crypt, there's exos that they control and bipedal pigs that are like the masterminds behind everything, kind of like a, a taken wizard summons the shadow thrall. It's like these these sentient pigs are just throwing waves of exos. But so, while Clovis was dead, eating a pork chop, writing in his journal. He also had a dream, and his dream goes, I was in a working exobody, everything so vivid, no need for waxy eardrums or jelly eyeballs, like seeing for the first time after a life of cataracts, I think I was immortal. The only unpleasant aspect of my experience was my amnesia. I couldn't recall my own name, I saw someone walking past me, I think it must have been Anastasia, and not only did I fail to recognize her, but it never even occurred to me that I should. When I awoke, I thought I must have a near death I must have had a near death vision, so I checked my nerve logs. Every last spark in my brain is recorded and nothing in the cerebral panic can account for my dream. The mind is the brain. It is impossible to have a vision without correlated neural activity, yet I did. And so I wanted to ask, do you think his dream was kind of prophetic? Uh yeah, I do. I think that was one of those um one of those foreshadowings that Bungie likes to do. They like to drop, I say Bungie, but I'm talking about the writers, really. The writers mm-hmm. are using their formula. So they're they're dropping that little seed of what's about to come, like a little microcosm of what's the overarching development on the mm-hmm. storyline that's about to drop. So yeah, I very much think that. But so like, if you're to relate this to the Traveler, the Traveler has speakers, and speakers have dreams. And in this case, while he was dead, he had this dream that made no sense for him to have, uh, biologically. Almost like an NDE, almost like a near-death experience, but... Yeah. Yeah. And, And so in this dream that he has, we learn that the exos he's using actually have, like, human eardrums and and eyeballs and it's not like just like microphones and they're more like uh, they're more like cyborgs which um, actually goes back to the Ishtar team so I was I was having a conversation about the a a little while ago like months ago about the possibility of Maya Sundaresh's exo copy becoming the exo stranger and someone uh, took a, a a phrase out of the Ishtar team's uh, information, and it's like they had eyeballs, they had hair, they had skin. That's what Exos originally were. They weren't robots, like full out robots. They were like as close to a human as they could actually get them to be. 
And so obviously that's not what the extra stranger looks like. We now know it's Elsie, etc. But that's what was originally being created. Basically a human stand-in. I wonder how uh, identifiable it would be between the original form of an exo and a human. Yeah. Like, so this well, what's that show with the uh, the robots that are are human? Or are they robots? I don't even know. I never actually watched the show. It's got what, the the blonde chick with the red dress. Oh, uh, what? Blonde like chick Borg or something? Is that, is that Star Trek? That might be Star Trek. I don't know. Borg or Star Trek. Borg but, or Star okay, Trek? So that, brings yeah. up, that brings up that 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 question of how much this is funny, because that brings up that question of how much is how much are you you? if all you've done is replaced yourself, right? So, mm-hmm. like, they keep toying with this um, idea of, okay, so when Exos come back, they don't remember who they were before. They're mm-hmm. replacing themselves. They're no longer who they were. They're a whole new person. And so everything that they've learned about their prior life is from data collected, stuff like mm-hmm. that. But when they collect the data, they suddenly have, um, they suddenly have this this almost like visceral reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you were touching on when the crow <laughs> uses a hand cannon for the first time. He's like, I don't they know have if I like memories. Yeah. 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 So like, it's very much ingrained inside of the, the anima, the driving life force of their being, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as they pass on from one body to the next, they have these uh, latent memories or somewhat something mm-hmm. like that. And so I was thinking if he's having a near death experience and you think about that NDE is almost like what the Thanatonauts did when they would, you know, they would kill themselves basically to um, try to see what's on the other side of that death to glean more about their past lives. Mm-hmm. Right. So he wakes up, he has amnesia, he doesn't remember who he is, but then he starts to remember. Right. So kind well, of like, it sounds like he remembered when he woke up and he was kind of thinking back about the dream and like in the dream, he had no memory. He didn't even consider remembering Anastasia, but when he woke up, he's like, Hey, wait a second. That was Anastasia. Why didn't I care? Which is how exos would uh, eventually come to function. Yeah. So like, so early on, he's, he early on, he's discovering the flaw mm-hmm. of, yeah, of, you know, self-correction, I guess. Or, yeah. you know. Which, yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. And uh, so that's why he came to Europa. He wanted to find these secrets of how to successfully make an exo, how to successfully become immortal. And he he plans to become the Luca, the uh, last universal uh, common ancestor. Yep. And which that, means, hmm? real quick, which means the last of that. Me? No, yeah, I was just telling you to define it for people. Oh, yeah, I mean, the last universal common ancestor is it's the uh, the kind of like the point on the tree before it branches off to its next evolution, which actually, um, I'll skip ahead a little bit to um, way down the line here uh in his note of why exo minds fail he he writes 
Given the limits of simulation, we need to find synthetic immortality in the real world. The Grail of Homo Simulacra is an artificial body with an immortal human mind. And so the the choice to use the phrase Homo Simulacra was extremely interesting to me because it's it's kind of yeah, like, like showing human evolution in its name. Right. Absolutely. Well, a, a simulacra is basically an object that looks exactly like something else that already exists. So mm-hmm. it would be like, you know, it would be like cutting. This is a co- good one. If you take a mushroom and you cut it in half and then you look at the mushroom's face, it almost resembles a skull. So we used to do these cool little things a long time ago where we would try to find simulacra in, we would try to find skulls that exist in real life just from random objects. So there was this, um, I'll have to find it. But anyway, it was a lot of fun. So we would go and like we would cut a mushroom in half and you'd look at the face and it almost looked like a skull. Or if you'd see a rock on the side of the road mm-hmm. that was angled one certain way, it would look like a skull. So it was like the simulacra, that word being used with the word homo, which is, you know, very much uh, a human. Yeah. Uh, homo, homo erectus, homo sapien, yeah, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So he's trying to find the the exact copy or the closest exact copy to a human form. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. With the whole have... human mind. Yeah. So, like, in order for the human mind to exist in a in an exobody, that exobody has to resemble the human body as much as possible. Like, you can't just have four arms because your brain is going to say no. Which he tries. Does he try that in this book? I forget uh, if he tries it in this book or if it was in a lore book where he tried it. I'm pretty it. sure it was in yeah. a lore book. It was in a lore book. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so that's actually a really interesting thing because just to kind of like talk about it, you know, he wants the, the this as close to human body with this immortal human mind. And he's so focused on the body. He's completely overlooking the fact that the mind is not immortal itself. The mind degrades. And even with his successful EXO, it's like, okay, uh, this happened. So you need to have a reset. This happened because you need it. So you need to have a reset. And with so many resets, whether it's caused from a physical damage being so severe that you Mm -hmm. need a whole new body and thus a reset. Reset, reset, reset. Yeah. Makes you that who who has the highest XO number right now. Banshee 44. Like, (laughs) and he's not doing good. He is gone. He's not there. And so even this immortal human mind degrades with enough time. I mean, I guess we hinted to that the first show, but it was before the dump, before everybody knew about it. So I guess everybody knows now. Well, I mean, everyone, everybody knows now. Everyone should know now. You should know sure. by now. If you don't know by now, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you watching <laughs> the show if you don't know by now? <laughs> we, we should not be your source of first first-hand information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I, the lament quest drops, so everybody's got all that info. And also, if you don't have lament, you should really just go get it because it's a pretty amazing sword. Chainsaw sword. Well, I mean, not even because of the chainsaw, just because of the insane damage output that you can get with it. It's like you hold, you rev it up, right? You hold the block to rev it up, mm-hmm. and instead of just doing a heavy attack, you do a couple slashes and then your heavy attack. And um, it's super you know, combo. It's badass. Yeah, it's it is a super combo. It does more damage than the guillotine does in less time. 
Mm. But it does have it does have the trade off in that you can't just endlessly do this combo because uh, unlike the guillotine, it uses your your bar as you do the power swipes. So you have to like stagger it for like a, a uh, like a ultra or something. It can usually take them out, but like. Uh, team of six using it on Riven, it it's pretty tight. Hmm. Remember when we got the little snippets, uh, the pictures of the the new exotics that were going to come in Beyond Light, and we yeah. had to visually pick apart the little pieces that they said. Mm-hmm. And so we found the little exo symbol on some of the items, some of the new exotics that were coming out. Uh, I just think it's so funny that right there in front of everyone's face, the yellow and blue from Banshee all over Lament. And the exo symbol, it was just like right there in your face. Even the lore tab on it, which we had seen way before, nobody really kind of was like, well, that's a Banshee sword, you know? No, yeah. we were just like, oh, Banshee's talking about it. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, the you quest know? immediately threw, threw Banshee at you, but it didn't really throw Banshee's identity at you. It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, Banshee's very much involved with the sword, but why? But like why? there is evidence that Banshee was in wars in the past, but never the exact thing. Yeah. It makes you wonder like why his name. Yeah. I remember in D1, I was like, why they call him Banshee? I don't get it. Well, I mean, they, they explain why they call him Banshee. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, okay. it was like, like back then it was kind of like, what? Yeah, back then it was like, that's an interesting name. Yeah. What is he scream real loud or something? You know, what's funny is his little, uh, his little needle points on the top of his head. Those are mm-hmm. mentioned in the lore now too with a particular yeah so it'd be it'd be fun for people out there who are who are gunters who like to read the lore (laughs) entries and surf all over the the internet for weapon related lore and stuff anyway we got a we got a little bit of lore that mentions a um well i guess uh i don't know an agent but there is a uh there's an exo that has the little syringe points on the top of its head which they kind of mentioned what those are about, which was pretty cool. Oh. So I, I stumbled I upon that. that reading. Yeah, I, I definitely missed that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So just to think that some of these apparatuses that are on certain exos have a, a little bit of a lore explanation. It's kind of cool. Well, uh, so to get back into the journal our next note is actually clarity. And so uh, the study of the lunar artifact retrieved from the K1 mission provides insight into the effect I have termed clarity. Clarity violates established symmetries and convert conservation laws. In doing so, it defies Noether's theorem. Is that how you pronounce that? I figured you would know. Noether's. Noether's theorem, the most fundamental and beautiful cornerstone of physics. Symmetry and conservation are two sides of the same coin. All things are transformations of one thing without gain or loss, as my childhood tutor put it. If A can become B, then B can become A. We say the state B, say a mixed drink, comes after state A, say sugar and water, only because there are more probably pathways. Probably pathways. That feels like that's... uh, Miss yeah. mistype from like, A to B. Wait yeah. long enough, longer than the universe, and your drink can return to state A spontaneously, unmixing itself. But clarity is not always symmetrical. For example, it violates time reversibility. Consider the same simple equation: clarity A to B. 
This is the application of clarity to a state A to produce a lower entropy state B. Clarity is fond of removing portions of the state configuration, harrowing the, the phase space down to its only most robust inhabitant. Yeah. Time synergy suggests that we should be able to run this process in reverse and retrieve the original. Reverse clarity B to A, but in fact, we obtain reverse clarity B to C, where C is the same as in clarity B to C. Yeah, so uh, techno garble, right? So basically what he's saying is the reason why they dropped Noether's theorem is um, it kind of has this idea that if if the laws of nature abide by symmetries, right, mm -hmm. uh, then that means that for every symmetry that's out there, there has to be a rotation of conservation. So mm -hmm. like, for instance, if you have um, angles and angular momentum, there has to be a place where that is it becomes symmetry again. So mm -hmm. almost like if you think about how many triangles can make a sphere, if you put them together, you know, almost th that type of thing. It's a mathematic equation of mm -hmm. symmetry to where, but the also, the, the other thing, um, that goes with that is like what he's pointing out is for every symmetry, there has to be a weighted, a weight to the opposite side of that, which almost kind of brings, you know, that, that idea of if you're going to introduce perfection and symmetry into an object that by, by nature cannot exist without some sort of flaw. Mm -hmm. Right. So by, even in mathematics, there's a point where mathematics are so perfect that they just collapse on, on top of one another. Like they no longer can make sense in the real world because our real world is very much made of, of symmetrical symmetry and, you know, anti-symmetry, I guess, or asymmetry, if you will. So by design, anything that's symmetrically perfect can't exist without something being messed up, basically. Does that make sense? I'm just kind of putting it in a nutshell. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So it's neat that they dropped that little bit of uh, techno garble to kind of preface that. Yeah. He is trying to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, then that's probably not going to work out too good. So that's what I, I actually really like this one, even though it's kind of like you said, techno garble. I think it's, I think it's really interesting is to understand how clarity works because I think it's I think we should look at clarity like they looked at light when the traveler came. It's like this kind of like abstract understanding of the universe that they didn't have before and because of that they can achieve so many new things. Right. Clarity is a new abstract that kind of goes counter to the light abstract. So another term for clarity could be dark. This is an yeah. understanding of the dark, the understanding of clarity. And so you actually kind of see that in, in this entry here uh, with this is the application of clarity to state A to produce a lower entropy state B. Clarity is fond of removing portions of a state configuration, harrowing the phase space down to only its most robust inhabitants, which is the whole darkness philosophy. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it kind of proves itself in itself. It's, it's that type of thing. Right. And that um, instead of A becomes B, B becomes A, A becomes B, B becomes C. So it's like introducing new, even newer possibilities into the universe. 
it, it's it's just amazing how much <laughs> it's just amazing how much uh little snippets of things end up in just like just for instance just the, this particular lore book and how much they're bringing into it to just mm-hmm. kind of set your mind on this um you know it's almost abstract to someone who hasn't read these things before so it ma- it makes you become inquisitive almost out of necessity because you want to understand what the writer's talking about right mm-hmm. so just like you and I are doing right now um the 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 end result is the audience at home reading this and going, what does that mean? I got to figure this out real quick just so I can go forward and understand. So that little bit of that little bit of Ayat, as Seth Dickinson always loves to say, uh, creates this uh, necessity for you to go out and figure out an answer to something before you can even learn more about the thing that they're telling you about. Right. So I love that you, you basically called clarity Ayat there because that's what the hive would use. So Clovis uh-huh. uses the term clarity, and then later in this entry here, he actually says, I believe that clarity may be akin to the mi- mythical universal solvent, the alkahest, the azoth, which yeah. ancient alchemists believed had the power to dissolve anything into its pure base elements. Yep. And uh, yep. later... That's he, beautiful. Yeah. Too, because D1, they talk a lot about alchemy and the alchemist... Uh, vers- you know, the alchemist and the, the, the stone. Oh, what is it called? Yeah, the mer- merchant. So there's um, there's hints to that too. Mm-hmm. So there's there's this little bit of seed information that they're playing with that they're kind of expanding on a little bit. But they're they're giving you the answer throughout the EXO story. So like yeah. the very the very fundamental laws of the nature that we're experiencing in Destiny has to do a little bit with fantasy, right? And the idea that you can turn materials into other materials uh, through manipulation. And so the alchemy or the alchemist uh, is this idea that you can take one thing, dissolve it, and it becomes another. See, they used to believe that if you took a stone and you poured acid on top of it, that stone turned into whatever base metal was found inside that stone. They thought originally way back in the day before we had science that that's what, that's what started alchemy, right? That's what uh-huh. created the idea of alchemy. Um, huh. But so then all they were doing were running around in the deserts and areas or whatever, trying to find stones that they could dissolve down and find these precious metals, or they thought they were creating them. And so there was this whole science that started, this ancient science that started in the realm of alchemy. So they would find a stone that, so in real life, they would find a stone yeah. that had precious metals within it. And yeah, we pour yeah. acid over the stone to eat away the the rock, the like granite or whatever. Uh-huh. But the precious metals would be durable enough to withstand some of the acid, yeah. and so they would take the precious they metals out. out. Yeah, but, and so then they found out that those metals or those stones or those rocks or whatever it was, mm-hmm. they found out that different amounts of acid or different amounts of chemicals mm-hmm. mixed with other chemicals produced. Like, for instance, if you if you had steel, steel can, you know, dissolve away at a certain amount by introducing chemicals to it. Right. But if something is within the steel that doesn't react to those chemicals, then they thought that steel was turning into that other element or that other metal. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So they they wrote out tons of of uh, manuscripts and scrolls and stuff to start off of this. And then later on it became like, Oh yeah, we're figuring this stuff out. You know, this is alchemy, but you know, not like 
thought it was. So the alchemist, the the stone, the idea of being able to, you know, like find gold in a stone, you know, that type of thing. That yeah. was very much a, a, a like folklore yeah. from way back when. What they could have done is they could have just broken open the stone and they would have yeah. found the gold, but they poured acid over it and they believed the combination of the acid and the stone made gold. Well, so what happened was when they were playing around with all these elements and, and, and materials, uh, they realized that certain chemicals created different base metals. So like they were accidentally stumbling upon other metals by uh, by mixing things you know i mean they're running around just doing this stuff without real real hard concrete knowledge right so they're mm-hmm. trying to come up with the next you know what is the next chemical um mixture that will create the outcome that we want and stuff like that mm-hmm. but yeah i mean we have i mean stainless steel which is used all over the place now it was created by mistake. A man, uh, a metallurgist. Uh, I'm sorry, a metal metallurgist. I always butcher that word. A metallurgist <laughs> yeah. was experimenting with metals, trying to make a metal that was hard. And he was taking different metals and he was hammering on them and mixing them and throwing them in, you know, pots of molten metals and trying to skim off the debris and make it harder and harder. And what he found out was the harder he made it, the more brittle it was. Mm-hmm. So, like, different metals were strong for certain things, but not good for other things. Mm-hmm. You kind of had to have that flexion. So he's just making a big mess in his shop, and he has all these metals hanging up everywhere, and he's introducing chemicals into it to try to see if he can make the metals better. Well, mm-hmm. After, you know, months and whatever the story goes, after months, he goes to the corner of his shop looking for some more metal, and he sees this one particular stick of metal that he had made, and it was stainless steel. It was like the original stainless steel. And he goes, why is that not rusted? You know, in his mind, he's like instantly like, why is that not rusted? Oh, that was when I was messing around with chromium. Mm -hmm. I was messing around with too much chromium in the metal. And guess what I figured out? If you put a ton of chromium inside of steel, suddenly you have stainless steel. It changed the entire molecular uh, construct of that metal. He just didn't know. And so he, you know, you could take it anywhere. You could take it to the ocean and it wouldn't rot. You could put it, you know, out in the rain and it wouldn't rot. It wouldn't rust. Yeah. Hmm. So like even the idea of stainless steel becoming, uh, what we use widely today for so many things like your sink in your kitchen, the stainless steel, um, it's, it's got chromium in it, you know? Hmm. Anyway, we well, a lot of things. Why, that explains why my kitchen knives, even though they claim to be stainless steel, they're not quite stainless steel. They must not have that <laughs> much chromium in it. Well, yeah. That's when you, that's when you suddenly discover that not all stainless steel is the same. Like for yeah. instance, not all stainless steel is magnetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, see, because oh. I just thought stainless steel was steel. You, in my yeah. mind, if you add steel and chromium, you should get something new that isn't using the same word with stainless in front of it. Like it should yeah, have a so new you got like, word. So you got like different grades and qualities of stainless steel. So like, there's surgical stainless steel, and then there's just regular stainless steel. Yeah, I need like some surgical stainless steel. I'm tired of cleaning my knives. I'm tired of seeing little rust spots. Yeah, drives me nuts. Yeah. But uh, also in this entry, this entry really had like a lot of the the really cool stuff, even though it was uh, kind of techno garbly. Mm-hmm. That I wanted to mention. Uh, 
We exist because the universe began in a low state of entropy and has ever since expanded and unwound, transforming from a single dense plasma into a void filled with complex structures. In the future, it will achieve maximum entropy when all organized matter has collapsed into black holes and these holes evaporate into uniformly, uniformity of heat death. This is, uh, I wonder what clarity would do to a black hole. This is the ex unexplained secret of creation. How did that original low entropy state come to be in the first place and the first time the egg of history? What if clarity was responsible? And so that mm. throws back to a year ago. Uh, I guess technically, actually, this one didn't <laughs> come out until season of dawn because it's in the book unveiling uh, the Cambrian explosion entry where mm -hmm. the the darkness, the winnower, is talking to us, and they say, but did you know that I created you? Your mind and body and every thought you ever had, your senses, your consciousness, I made you. Not the gardener, but I. Did I reach out and place my special mark upon you? No, nothing so crude. In the beginning, your world was a garden too. The whole floor of the world sea was a mat of bacteria, and the very first animals, adorable blobs of ooze, grazed upon blah, 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 blah. Basically, he's saying, like, I did that. Like, or she, uh, I should say she, is saying, yeah. I did that. Yeah, and, and that plays with that idea of entropy as well, the mm -hmm. inevitable heat death of the universe. So regardless of what we do today and future humans in the future and, and whatever sentient life emerges well beyond a million years from now, inevitably the entire universe as we know it will become entropy its final point of nothingness so it's neat to understand that this idea of life and creation as an abstract is mm -hmm. always moving forward towards uh this this central point of entropy this darkness the inevitable heat death of the universe right mm -hmm. so the winner is trying to say that i created that <laughs> i made mm -hmm. this happen but i didn't make you follow me blindly throughout you know yeah. time and space i wouldn't make you do that i gave you free will choice yada yada black holes right yeah <laughs> it is it is uh it is really i'm really loving the the spot that destiny's in right now because we're getting so much of the darkness that for all of destiny one we were not getting and it just like it really opens this door to like seeing the two sides of the coin where the darkness isn't necessarily in it. Uh, Clovis Bray says it in here when he's talking about clarity control. It is not malevolent. It's it's natural. It's like a natural order. But does that mean it's the right thing? You know, the traveler doesn't want entropy to happen. The traveler wants everything to live forever and ever and ever and right. not reach that heat death moment. But the winner is saying, no, it's going to happen. It doesn't need to happen today, but it will happen. Yeah. And yeah. See, that's funny because um, it, it, it they're I mean, the writers are just like they're humans, just like us. But they're mm -hmm. putting these there. They're almost questioning, like, what is the meaning of life? What is mm -hmm. the point of all of this? Right. And and so they're introducing this idea that, um, you know, not everything is meant to be OK. And maybe the, the inevitable death of our universe is OK. And you can have a little bit of optimistic nihilism as you proceed throughout your your lifespan. And just mm -hmm. accept that, right? They accept that without the dark, you you know, you can't have light. Without the light, you can't have dark. That whole, uh, you know, 
interconnectedness with with humanity is necessary right mm-hmm. and so the winners winner is trying to say you know i am of the dark which has this almost like negative morality connotation to it uh, and and then the light is always perceived as being good well it, in d1 when tolan's journal mentions or what is it the darkness 2 card mentions darkness, in Tol- 3. darkness 3 is mentioning how you know, to to adhere to certain forms of morality is teleology, and that's mm-hmm. not going to work. You need to you need to strip everything away and bring it to its base level, which is the winning play, the winnower, right? So, yeah, in order for life to exist, the the first little organism needs to crawl out of the cesspool of soupy plasma mess, whatever it is, and win. And in order for the atom to exist, it has to win. You know, so these are all games of life that have to be won in order to exist. Does does he actually say that you need to reduce yourself to the base form or something like that? Well, I mean, I'm I'm obviously putting my spin on it, but that's kind of the the uh, the over the overall picture. So what he's trying to say is, it, it's all I, I see it now. Like he's enlightened all of a sudden when he's talking about it. He's saying, I see it. I understand mm-hmm. how you need to listen to me. And at the time, we're all thinking, who's this crazy warlock telling us this stuff? You know, we're like, what are you talking about? You know, we've got all these these things that we've learned as humans, like what is wrong and what is right. And uh, he's mm-hmm. sitting there telling us, you know what? Forget all that. That's not what it is. But he's looking at it through the hive lens, you know? Well, I mean, it's really interesting because it's kind of like, it's it obviously things are explained and possibly a new light. Maybe it's exactly the way they've always wanted to explain it, but we are in this, in this entry that is from all the way back in D one, we are seeing, um, the original, like kind of philosophy of the darkness. Uh, I have it pulled up. I'm going to, I'm going to put it on the screen. Yeah. It's a quick one. If you want to read it real fast, I, I would love that card. Yeah, so just to, like kind of to start in a little bit in the middle. Why does anything exist? No, 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 no. Don't reach for that word. There is no reason. That's uh, teleology, and teleology will stitch your eyelids shut. Why do we have atoms? Because atomic matter is more stable than primordial broth. Atoms defeated the broth. That was the first war. There were two ways to be, and one of them won. And everything that came next was made of atoms. Atoms made stars. Stars made galaxies. Worlds simmered down to rock and acid, and in those smoking primal seas, the first living molecule learned to copy itself. All of this happened by the one law, the blind law, which exists without mind or meaning. It's the simplest law, but it has no worshippers here. Out there, though, out there. And so, yep, it's... Yeah. Go on. So that's no. everything, yeah, so that's everything that you basically just said, you know, yeah. it, reading these cards they're they're always going back to that base uh base idea <clears throat> you know so like uh clovis is sitting here trying to copy himself right mm-hmm. to win to become the luca you know the yeah. next bitch, right he wants to be the the next adam he wants to be <laughs> he want clovis wants to be the base form of mm-hmm. of humanity which yeah. the next or the next base form next base form of humanity yeah but but the 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 reality of it is that since the traveler has been here, it's created um, 
you know, lifespans that go on for hundreds of years. It's created, uh, you know, mental capacities that stretch well beyond anything that we could imagine in our, you know, <laughs> inferior human, human bodies experience, whatever. So you got to think like the humans that are living in the destiny universe after the traveler came and, and blessed them with his light basically mm-hmm. are much more complex and of a higher intellect than we could even imagine. So the fact that they can have so many, um, that the fact that they can have so much understanding of so many complex situations, structures, ideas, science, whatever, art, whatever, is because of that, because of that light that was introduced. So, mm. you know, I mean, Clovis is just trying to use that to his advantage. More and more, I'm like with, I think it was with Forsaken. And we started to see more. Oh yeah, season of opulence. It had to be. We started to see more into the the ideologies of Callus. I, I I was like, is is the darkness the bad side? And not not so much is the darkness the bad side, but is there a bad side? Is is it not natural? Is are we fighting against nature? And is fighting against nature natural like is it is it natural to fight against nature is that does that make us the bad guy or does that just make us us yeah yeah that's 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 something that happens a lot in in uh religious ideologies teleology Mm -hmm. and a lot of different um um philosophies or philosophizing you know the guys Mm -hmm. you know like plato and stuff like that this this has been going on since humans could Speak right is this yeah. idea of what is morality? When is it okay to do certain things? When is it not okay to do certain things? And you know, so it's it's dangerous to say that. Um, well, in order for me to survive, I've got to kill you know this particular person. Well, that particular person has every right to exist, just as you do, regardless of their history, upbringing, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are certain things that are defined for us as humans to. Um, propel ourselves forward right without just causing chaos and calamity and and ultimately opening up pandora's box of self-destruction right Mm -hmm. so there are certain things that we have designed in our cultures as humans to help one another uh, have certain guidelines or moralities and so what they're trying to say is not everything that we learn as humans is necessarily of morality or of moral or uh, some inherent moral compass that we're all born with. No, mm-hmm. these are designs and architecture from our history, our sordid past as humans. And these are things that we've learned and created as we went along to help us. And so Clovis is his, his, you know, moral compass is much more tilted mm-hmm. or jilted, I should say. And he doesn't really see it that way. Like he's not going to be defined by, is this right or wrong? He just sees it as I have to do this. Mm-hmm. This is inevitable. So I have to do this. So, it, you know, how many lives are going to be lost? It doesn't matter to me because I'm making the next great thing. You know, it's almost like this, um, whatever. It's like this idea of uh, I'll do what I need to do uh, so that we can, so that we can outlive this inevitable darkness or whatever. So I don't know. I think all of our race, all of our enemy races are seeing the same thing. Yeah. Like Callus, he sees the darkness as the end of everything. uh, And he just wants to be there when it happens. 
Yeah, right? he's he's an interesting one. Like if Baxter was here, Baxter and I can go back and forth on is Callus a bad guy because Callus's whole thing is like the end is coming and you can either suffer your mundane life or I can kill you now. And <laughs> like it's gonna come <laughs> either way. And it's like part of me is like, Yeah, you know, that's that makes sense. Like I kinda get yeah. that. But, but he sees himself as a godhead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It it's destiny is is it's crazy in in how much it it actually makes you think. You know, mm-hmm. like it's got to this point where people like us, you know, we can really dive into it and it's like, holy shit, there's a lot of like philosophical back and forth in this. Yeah, we're, we're, we're finally getting to the point. The darkness is not purely evil. The light is not purely good. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where it's it's eventually going to head. I don't think they're ever going to make us choose a side per se, but it's going to get to the point where it's going to really throw these thoughts yeah. right at you. So I didn't want to throw a crowbar in here, but you just made me think of it again. Um, so I went back and read all the Cade uh, lore from, mm-hmm. you know, with the just to kind of experience it with the EXO stuff. And a lot of things came to mind about him and his, his history and, just the stuff the 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 one about what is it the the book about Cade is what it, is that what it's called uh, the man they called Cade yeah the man they called Cade so in that he's talking to Ace yada 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 which all ends up being just fabricated mm-hmm. uh, yeah mental crap that you know was a part of being an EXO so but he has some uh, he has a few little revelatory moments where he's kind of like ah. Oh, maybe this is just what's going on. And then, you know, he mentions the long, slow whisper, which we're all like, what the heck is the long, slow whisper? So the whole, you know, lore community goes what wild with theories and ideas. And so the long, slow whisper could almost mm-hmm. be, uh, you know, this very thing that we're talking about is this idea of, you know, the darkness calling you to your inevitability, you know, mm-hmm. um, or stuff like that. But what's funny about, uh, Cade is Cade is a perfect example of writing what's good and bad. Like he's a he he's a, a mentor and he's considered to be a hero, right? Of this mm-hmm. of the city and and uh, of the hunters. But at the same time, he kind of like is like playing with the bad side, right? You know, he's like, I got to do this. You know, maybe stealing isn't the best thing to do, but we got to do it. You know, in order to 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 win this fight, and so it, he's kind of like uh, just surviving. Right, so mm-hmm. humanity struggle to survive might not always be aligned with the morality that we've invoked on one another. Evoked on, yeah. But a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just neat to know that every single race that we fight has this uh, this conundrum. So Callus is dealing with it in his own way, but yeah. he wants to be Godhead. Clovis is dealing with it in his own way, but he wants to be the Luca. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Guardians are doing it in some way. Well, I feel like we're going to get to that point where most Guardians, at least you'd imagine, most Guardians are on the side of the light, and they they're kind of like in this indoctrinated: the darkness is evil. And we're going to get to this point where we we get more and more of us get our eyes opened to the darkness isn't necessarily evil. I mean, sure. It wants the inevitable death of everything in the universe, but that doesn't make it evil. That's just that's just what it nature happen. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a law of nature, right? Mm. For the next life to happen, this one has to end, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> and like that's what's that's what's like really interesting about this and like where we've gotten so far in this in this journal because we're we're uh we're pretty much at our time here um uh clovis is working with the darkness in this idea that he could eventually become immortal and the darkness it's like they're never gonna let that happen but they're entertaining the thought they're letting clovis strive for more because that's what they want they know they know the end is going to come for clovis but they don't want it to come easily you know they want clovis to struggle that's why it's not malevolent it doesn't it doesn't want humanity to suffer but it doesn't want them not to struggle either they like it, at least that's how it seems to be the darkness wants you to struggle to strive to like it's necessary it's a necessary uh, evil, if you will, for evolution. Mm. In order for things to evolve, you've got to introduce uh, mass <laughs> extinction, right? So mm-hmm. in order for the winner of the next big evolutionary war, a lot of bad things has to happen. It's funny because if you think about like the Galapagos Islands, right, mm-hmm. and where all these weird uh, animals and creatures have emerged in this really harsh environment, well, there's a reason for that because they were all trying to survive. Yeah. And so in order for things to survive and evolve, you've got to introduce something that threatens their existence. Right. Hmm. So, so maybe, you know, maybe the, the, the darkness is just kind of like, yeah, that's good for you. <laughs> it's really interesting that you, you phrased it like that and we haven't gotten to it yet, but I do want to say it now since you just said that in order for things to survive and evolve, they need to have their existence threatened and spoiler, like big spoiler for the the journal itself. That's exactly what happens. Like they succeed in creating exos because their lives were in danger. They needed exos to survive. Yeah. It's almost, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit trite and a little bit, uh, stereotypical with like writings and stuff, you know, it's like at the last moment, you know, they cut the correct wire before the bomb went off, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I hate that. It doesn't feel yeah. like it's, it, it feels like it's the bomb had a minute left. The bomb didn't have 10 seconds left. You know, yeah. it was like, they, yeah. they, they were cutting it close, but they had time. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to say before we go, um, yeah, of course. I was really hoping that, uh, because if you look at Eris, the stranger, and um, the drifter, so, uh, they, I was hoping that somehow we were going to end up with a new class, like the rogue class. So I thought that maybe one day we would end up with titans, uh, hunters, uh, warlocks, and rogues. See, I'm excited that we don't have a new class uh it feels like with the introduction of darkness subclasses how they are now that we will never get a new class and i'm very excited for that i originally thought we would get a darkness class a a guardian who uses the light in dark ways and i kind of what the rogue class was going to end up being for me that's what i thought before this all happened same so i'm I'm happy to Okay. Yeah, I'm happy it happened the way it did. I'm happy that it's going on the way it's going on. But what I'm even happier about is mm-hmm. that word, like you said, subclasses, yeah. what's coming next. Absolutely. Yeah, because like when I looked at when I look when I was thinking about it, I was looking at what the classes are, and it's like Titans are this philosophy, warlocks are this philosophy, hunters are this philosophy. 
And what is a guardian who would use their light in dark ways, but another class? Mm-hmm. So that's how I thought of it. But we are a guardian. We're using dark because originally I didn't see the necessary possibility of a darkness subclass itself, a darkness energy. I figured light and dark were the same exact forces and they were just used in different ways. Um, well, you know, I'm of, I'm of the class that, that, is like a, a Ulantan follower, right? Yeah. <laughs> this whole idea of interconnectedness and without the light, you, you have, without the dark, you have, you know, you can't have light. And uh, so, I mean, Ulantan was woke, right? That was uh, spreading the knowledge way back when. <laughs> dangerous teachings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they considered them dangerous, but now what would they be? If he was here today, right te- now, e- e- there were dangerous teachings back then when guardians didn't have easy access to the darkness. Now they're uh, even more dangerous because <laughs> they can just go to Europa. The ex stranger literally says that she's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to teach any guardian that comes here how to use stasis and mm-hmm. good. We have someone who's going to keep us on the right path of not, you know, basically not getting on uh, Shin Malfer's list. Right. Well, it's perfect. It's perfect because um, who are the three best examples to help us do that? Right? Is yeah. the Drifter, <laughs> Eris, and uh, the Exo Stranger. So the Exo kind of a curveball. Yeah. So like, uh, if you think about what what's tied to all three of those, the Exo Stranger is tied to the Vex, the Drifter's tied to the Taken, mm-hmm. and Eris is tied to the Hive. So are you saying the Vex are stasis? Well, no. But I just okay. think that they're representatives of those enemy races. Yeah, no, I completely agree on that. But to say that the Vex embody the stasis subclass is interesting. Because obviously, the Hive would embody a necrotic subclass. The Taken would embody whatever they would call it, subclass. Yeah. Because those are the no. three that we're, we're expecting. Or the, the other two that we're expecting. Because at the end of the I day, mean, the like, Vex... what, what, powers do, what powers do fall in technically have other than what they find like we find right yeah and And so what 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 does the what do the uh, cabal what powers do they have other than their technology and stuff that yeah so i mean they're those two enemy races are pretty much the closest to us Mm -hmm. i mean hive are using you know things that are beyond our our comprehension and so are the vets i was actually thinking i was actually thinking about it this morning um about the new subclasses because a part of me was like, we're definitely, we are definitely getting additional subclasses, but a part of me now is wondering, are they going to actually be dark subclasses or are they going to be dark? Like air quotes for anyone just listening, dark subclasses, that type of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, so the exo stranger is teaching us stasis, which is an objectively Dark energy, dark subclass. Mm-hmm. But what if in Witch Queen, Eris is teaching us Hive Magic, which might have been learned from Clarity. It might have been a, a secret mm-hmm. unlocked from Clarity, but it is not a dark subclass. It's Hive Magic. It's its own unique thing. Mm. But, you know, time will tell. Well, you think about Solar uh, Arc and um, Void. You know, Void is the... Um, the void is the the one that's on that bleeding edge, right? Yeah, because it used to be seen as dark back in the day. Yeah. Hmm. 
so maybe darkness is you know the on the other opposite side of the void spectrum so darkness begins and then we see a little bit more of like into the harder aspects of dark yeah so what you're saying is like solar light is like the purest light and then we yeah. just, we kind of go further on the spectrum and we get arc and then we go further on the spectrum we there get void we go further on the spectrum we get stasis and then we get uh assuming yeah. necrotic hive magic stuff and then we get taken like at the yeah. far end yeah. of pure dark as 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 dark as it goes as it energy. Go. or some some aspect of that because stasis is really i would, I would agree to it seen before I mean, stasis is is what it, the end goal. It's the it's the entropy. It's the heat death, right? Yeah. And so maybe we can... it's so fun though. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh oh. That's time to go. That is time to go. <laughs> the dog said, "Get the, <laughs> the hell off that computer." <laughs> All right. So our next episode will be on Sunday the thirteenth of December. It will be Christmas time, and for Christmas, uh. Clovis Bray will be trying to reconnect with his family. That's where we're going to be starting it off uh, with the messages he he wrote up for his his granddaughters. Why is he snubbing Alton? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel bad for Alton. Like now, what, after what is, reading well, this, whole... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it's... it's funny but really sad. Yeah, like what the hell. Alton was like the only one who wasn't like, man, I hate you. And he's like, I don't care. About uh, yeah, no, he was like, <laughs> he was like, I don't, I don't want to say it, man. I don't want to say it. Yeah. It's too much. So we'll we'll keep it. going through this book. And, um, once we, once we get through the whole of this book, I feel like we're going to be able to, to actually chart like a, uh, kind of a roadmap for the rest of the books we'll we'll like say this week and then this week this this week because most of the books flow really nicely together and we can even throw in some armor because armor should honestly just be books uh and uh that'll be the uh loose cannon roadmap uh heading into the future just kind of obscure right now but you know sounds good to me okay we get it (laughs) (laughs) all right so we will see everyone on uh december 13th and if you want to find more of us you can find us at loose cannon show uh spelled like it is here on twitter we only post updates if you have any questions if you have any feedback please let us know there we got feedback uh just before we started that the audio was a little low so i i kind of put it up a little bit higher i'm hoping it doesn't make it too loud but i mean i guess if it's too loud you can just lower the volume it's it's better to be a little too loud than to hit your volume limit and it's still too low But at the same time, we don't want popping eardrums. So yeah, yeah, I don't want anyone to be like, "Ah, time to listen." Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah, we we hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, we're excited to see you next next time. Bye. Bye.